Well, good morning. Let me pray for us. Father, we need your light to shine upon us, to meet us where we are, to reveal your love to us, and to point us to your son, Jesus. We all need that. Whether we're here today as a follower of you, whether we're here today not sure what we believe, or whether we're here today knowing we don't believe, Lord, show us Jesus wherever we are, and show us your love. In your name, amen. So when I was a kid, my parents gave me a gift once of horseback riding lessons. And uh, I was in junior high. I'd never been on a horse and had never been to a stable. And so I went to the first lesson and I remember sitting around or standing there with a bunch of junior high kids and they bring out this massive horse. And it was intimidating to see how big he was. And the instructor was trying to scare us to make sure that we are cautious as we begin to learn how to ride a horse by telling us all the things we needed to avoid, not walking behind the horse because we could be kicked, and not going too close to the mouth because we could be bit. And as they were sharing these things, all of us were a little freaked out. And then the instructor said, but I think the guy in the red shirt can feed this horse no problem. And I remember looking around laughing, thinking, who's the sucker that's going to have to feed this horse? And then I looked down. I was wearing red. I was the sucker. And this story came to my mind this week as I was thinking about this sermon series that we are in. Each week, we as a church have been examining various places in the Gospels where Jesus argues with people. We as a church have been looking at what is important to Jesus in how he communicates even in disagreements. And how does Jesus deal with questions and folks that are trying to trap him? And how does he treat everyone with grace and mercy, even those that disagree with him? And I have to admit, almost every week as I've been listening to Pastor Aaron's sermons, I've been like I was at that horse stable. I find myself looking around in a sense at other people thinking, I hope they are hearing this message. I find myself looking around thinking, this message is not for me. It's for those people that do not know how to argue well on Facebook. This message isn't for me, I think. I think this is for those people that I disagree with. They need to learn how to understand they are wrong. And as I'm looking around at others thinking this is what they need to hear, I'm convicted by the fact this is what I need to hear. These words during this sermon series are for me about how I am treating others that I don't agree with. And maybe you can relate. Maybe you find yourself thinking there are people that need to change, and until they do, you're not going to show them any grace or respect or love. Maybe you think there are people out there that are clearly wrong, and I am not one of them, and they need to hear this message. And what I'm thankful is that we have a Savior Jesus who knows this about ourselves. We have a Savior Jesus who won't let us think that his words are just for them out there, but they're for us in here. And we have a Jesus that comes to us in our doubts and in our struggles and in our lack of love and grace, and he offers us a chance to come to him, to learn from him, to be with him, to follow him. Just before the passage that I'm about to read for us today, we have a great picture of how I think Jesus treats everyone. Jesus is walking by the sea, Mark 2 records, and he comes across a tax collector at one of his toll booths. And he is collecting money for Rome 
and probably for his pockets as well. And Jesus looks at this man and he does not condemn him or his work. He does not judge his position. He does not grumble or complain at this man's probable shady reputation. He looks at this man and says, follow me. Maybe it was the first time in a long time where someone had treated this tax collector like a human being rather than a piece of trash. Tax collectors, you might know back then, were known as being corrupt, greedy, and unclean. Tax collectors were resented not just because they usually were corrupt, but because they were a reminder that Rome was in charge and Rome was taxing the people of God and they didn't like it. And yet Jesus befriends this tax collector, Levi. Jesus calls this man to follow him. Jesus does to Levi what he does to us as well. He befriends us. He cares for us. He loves us. And he calls us to follow him. So Levi follows Jesus, and he gets to join in a party. And we're going to read this part of the story, starting in Mark 2, 15 through 17. Let me read what happens right after he calls Levi to follow him. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. This is God's word and is given to us for our good. So you might know that in the New Testament, we're told specifically three times on why Jesus came. Three times we hear in the Gospels these words, the Son of Man came, and the Son of Man was an Old Testament term for Jesus. So first thing we read about is the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom to all. And this makes sense. Many would believe Jesus came to give up his life for our salvation. The second thing that the Gospels say Jesus came to do is it says Jesus, the Son of Man, came to seek and to save the lost. This too makes sense. We see story after story of Jesus seeking and saving lost souls. And then there's the third way that the Gospels describe why Jesus came. Jesus came eating and drinking. I got to tell you, I love that. I love that Jesus came to feast and eat and drink with others. That the way Jesus served, the way Jesus sought the lost, was often around a meal. Meals back then were a visible picture of intimacy and kinship and unity. Meals often showed the different degree of hierarchy in a community. Kind of like when you enter into the junior high lunchroom and where you sit that first day might matter for your whole year. That's how it was back then. Who you sat with showed who was in and who was out. And the beautiful thing is that Jesus sat with everyone. Last week, Pastor Aaron had us look at a passage where Jesus ate with the sinners or with the scribes and the Pharisees. And this week in our passage, we see that Jesus eats with the tax collectors and sinners. Jesus, if he was here today, would have fellowship and eat with those who consider themselves on the right 
and those who consider themselves on the left. Jesus would eat and have fellowship with those who would call themselves conservative and those that would call themselves liberal. Jesus would eat with those who are religious and those who are non-religious. Jesus' ministry and meals aroused opposition at the social, cultural, political, and religious level. And Jesus' words and actions show that relationship with him is not just for the comfortable and the respectable, but for those in whom society would rather keep at arm's length. Many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus, it says. Jesus doesn't condemn or recoil from sinners. He leans into them with love. Jesus does more than preach repentance to sinners. He befriends them. And this drove the religious leaders crazy in that day. In verse 16, the scribes of the Pharisees go to Jesus' disciples and say, why is he eating with them? Implying, what is wrong with Jesus? Now, something that struck me about this part of the story was that the scribes went to complain about Jesus not to Jesus, but to someone else. They didn't ask Jesus why he was eating with these folks. And let's be honest, isn't it the case that when you have a problem with someone, it's always easier to talk to other people about that person than to actually talk to that person. It's often very easy to find people that agree with us, that let us affirm our belief that that is the problem or he or she is the problem and we never actually address the issue at hand. And how often do we ask questions not to learn or understand but to condemn and to judge? I mean, that's what the scribes are doing here. Yes, they asked a question but they didn't really want an answer from Jesus because they knew any answer he gave would be wrong. They asked that question not to learn about Jesus, but to condemn Jesus. And how often do we ask questions to try to prove ourselves right? You see, the Pharisees and the scribes would have never had table fellowship with these folks because of their fear that the uncleanliness of the tax collectors and the sinners would rub off on them. They would never eat or have fellowship with these tax collectors and sinners because it might ruin their reputation. And they were often afraid to associate with those that were considered unclean or in need of change. And here's the reality. Sadly, there has always been, and there probably always will be, a persistent trend among God's people to exclude or to write off those we classify as irredeemable or beyond hope. We could sing the song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. And we will love people that are like us, but not if their sin or their wretchedness is different than us. We can label people as sinners, and some of us like to do that. We can judge sinners, and some of us do that in our hearts often. We can maybe witness to sinners or put up with sinners, but to treat them as respectable and acceptable people that God loves is hard for so many of us. Some of us have a hard time treating people with patience and respect unless we see change in them. Some of us will not move towards people or even listen to people we think are wrong or unworthy of our time or our respect. 
There are people, I'm sure, that we all would have a hard time reclining at the table with today unless we saw them change a little bit before they came. I am guilty of this for sure. And so when I read an account in Mark or elsewhere in the Gospels where it seems like Jesus does not appear to require repentance or a change in advance to having table fellowship with him, I am in awe of his love and acceptance that he has for all types of people. Jesus doesn't just accept the good and the respectable. He accepts and calls the weak and the failures in society and the irreligious and the outcasts and the messy. And he says, follow me. Follow me. Now, to follow Jesus in the full sense of the word will require repentance and obedience. But we don't do those things to get Jesus to call us to follow him. Nor does Jesus sort people just into classifications and leave them there. You're dirty, you're clean. You're holy, you're not. You're a sinner, you're okay. He calls them all to gather together at this feast of grace, to recline at his table of grace. And this is a beautiful picture of the church. This is who we are. We are Levi. We are the tax collectors and the sinners that are celebrating Jesus in our midst. We are not just a community of the good and the well, but of the broken and the needy. And Jesus cares very much for these needy sinners. And he also cares very much for these self-righteous scribes. So even though they did not ask Jesus the question, he responds to them to teach them the truth of the gospel. Jesus says, those who are well need no, need no a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. I came not to call those who think they don't need any help. I came to call those who know they are helpless. I came not to call those who think they are right in their own doing and actions. I came to offer a healing restoration and relationship with God because of grace. Jesus labels his work and his relationships as one like a physician. And there is no point in a doctor only keeping company with healthy people. The doctor must be associate with the sick. And the sick do not need to get well first before they can go to a doctor. They need to come to the doctor with their sickness. And sinners do not need to do something first to become worthy of God's love. Sinners do not need to come well or act well or do things right to get God to respond to them. All any of us need to do is come with open hands in need of Jesus. And I really hope you know this personally. I truly hope and know that you believe you are accepted by God not because of you, but because of him. And I hope you believe this about others you interact with. You know, I know this sermon, unlike the other sermons in this series, has not really talked much about how Jesus argued. Perhaps we're not going to learn today about how we can approach people differently in our disagreements. But I do believe if we grasp more fully God's merciful love today, if you and I believe more deeply how Jesus reclines with us in our brokenness, we will be better equipped and motivated to love others. And the more that we realize that Jesus loves us, not because of how good we are, but despite how bad we are, 
the more we will be able to fight against those we do not love well in our lives. Because often our contempt towards others we disagree with, our tendency to shame others that disagree with us, our disdain towards others that are different than us, or we feel unworthy, and our avoidance of those that we find uncomfortable prevents us from extending the healthy, welcoming, transforming care of our Savior as a physician in a world in need of healing. May we believe this today or be reminded today of how undeserving we are of God's love. May we know and believe and feel that Jesus right now reclines with you in love. May this impact us on how we view others and treat others with dignity, respect, grace, and love. Let us pray. Father, may your love be evident in our lives as we go from here to love those that are created in your image. May this church be known as a church that loves the broken and the needy and the sinners because brothers and sisters around us all, we are the broken and the needy and the sinners. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. In your holy name, amen.